What is good, my spiritual sidekicks? I hope all is well. I know, I know. I said I was going to take a nap and I was going to get back to you in a couple of hours, but my bad, it is Sunday and I just, I did sleep in, I did get caught up, but um, I'm just excited to share this with you and you know, it is playful. It's fun. I'm going to put it out there. I tend to agree with the conclusion that was made. I'm going to try to remember to keep the comments open and you can put your thoughts of what you think the answer is. I already gave a clue in the teaser. <clears throat> the what women want starts with an S. Now, just to give you a little bit of a pretext before I go into the text so that you can have some context. <laughs> um and I'll just keep it short, is I was listening to a lecture that's called Making the Gods Work for You by Caroline, uh, give me two seconds, by Caroline, Casey, by Caroline W. Casey. And um, she shared this story in that lecture, Making the Gods Work for You. And um, I absolutely loved it. She was talking about it more in context of all the planets and how they play a role in the things around us. And she was giving them life. And so um, I just wanted to share this story for you, from you, but just wanted to give you a little bit of context. So um, I'm going to add a little bit more from what she said, because when I kind of looked at this over, um, it didn't really give the story the way that she did. She did a beautiful job of it. But she said that um, King Arthur, Arthur was out in the woods and he was um, hunting and um, he was trying to catch a deer and somehow he got distracted or he didn't get the deer. And so um, his arc enemy came in and captured him because he was distracted trying to catch the deer. And so um, he, you know, he was going to annihilate him because he's just basically out there in the woods with just a bow and arrow, probably didn't have his team of soldiers with him. And so his arc enemy, his rival was like basically just going to take his life, like just snuff him out. And so um, King Arthur was like begging for his life. And he's like, you know what? Let me... um, Let's do this. He's like, I will give you one year to answer a parable, a question. And if you don't answer the question, then I will definitely like snatch your head off. Like I will chop your head off and basically put it in the Times Square for everybody to see. And so King Arthur is like, oh yeah, bet. Like, let's do it. I can answer any question. Like I'm a king. What's good? So wouldn't you know, um, his, um, the, the other guy, which coincidentally doesn't seem like they mention it here. He tells him, all right, you have to answer what women want, right? So let's get into it. It says young King Arthur, Arthur was caught and imprisoned by the king of a neighboring kingdom. The king could have killed him, but was moved by Arthur's youth and spirit. So he offered him freedom as long as he could answer a very difficult question. Arthur would have a year to find out the answer. If after a year he still had no answer, he would be killed. The question was, what do women really want? (laughs) 
The question seems impossibly, seemed impossibly difficult to Arthur, but since the alternative was death, he decided to give it a go. After all, he had a year to find the answer. He returned to his kingdom and began to ask everybody's opinion, the princes, wise men, the court jester. In all he spoke to everyone, no one could give him a satisfactory answer. And you know, when, when Caroline Casey was telling the story, I was like, wait, it doesn't sound like he asked any women. So that was funny. But even as I'm reading this story here too, he's asking the princes, the wise men, the court jester. It doesn't say anything about him asking a woman. So here we go. It says, what most people did tell him was to consult the old witch as only she would know the answer. Okay, so that part is a little different. Okay, the price would be high since the witch was famous throughout the kingdom for the demands that she made for her services. A year, so, so check this out. A year passed and Ar Arthur had no alternative but to talk to the witch. So he's like not even trying to go to her or talk to her. You know, he's like waiting stuff out. This is hilarious. So he, she agreed to answer his question, but he would have to accept her prize first. The old witch wanted to marry Gawain, the most noble of the knights of the round table of Arthur's closest friends. King Arthur was horrified. The witch was ugly. She had a hunchback and no teeth. She smelled like a sewer and made horrible noises. <laughs> she was completely repulsive. He refused to force his friend to marry her and have to endure such a burden. Gawain, upon hearing of the proposal, <laughs> spoke with Arthur. He told him that nothing was too great a sacrifice compared to Arthur's life and the preservation of the round table. And I will just interact, interject and whisper here. It's like, isn't that amazing to have that kind of friends? Like, I know, listen, I'm just here to make you think, right? It would be nice to have those type of friends or what would it mean for you to be that type of friend, right? And I know there could be some pushback, but I don't want to spend a lot of time on that. Okay, so it says, so the wedding was announced and the witch answered Arthur's question. What a woman, oh, Okay, what a woman really wants, and I'm going to say the way it, the way that um, Casey said it, Caroline Casey said it, and then I'm going to read from here. But um, it says, what a woman really wants is sovereignty. <laughs> sovereignty. Okay, but as I'm reading this, it says, what a woman really wants is to be able to be in charge of her own life. Don't click off yet because I want, and this is the playful part, and it's something for you to think about for the rest of your life as you go into these relationships between men and women. Um, and I'm really quite fond of this story, but I want you, there's, there's more to this story that unfolds, right? Okay, there's more to this. It says, everyone 
instantly knew that the witch had uttered a great truth and that Arthur's life would be spared. The king spared Arthur's life and granted him total freedom. What a wedding Gawain and the witch had! But Arthur was torn between relief and anguish. Gawain was a, was proper as always, gentle and courteous. I love that, that that's being described as his personality. He was proper as always, gentle and courteous. Oh, y'all, I'm sorry, that just, it's just giving. <laughs> Anyways, I, I'm, a, I'm a romantic, I really am. I'm sentimental, so... Just bear with me, you guys. <laughs> so it says, the old witch put her worst manners on display. She, oh my God, this is horrible. Because this is not how Caroline told it, but I love that she's adding, that this story is adding a little bit more context. <laughs> so it says, she put her um, worst displays, her worst manners on display. She ate with her hands, belched and broke away. Now that is just, y'all. You can ask my family, like, farting is a no-go. No. Breaking wind is a no. Mm-mm. I'm sorry. Let's keep going. It says, and she made everyone feel uncomfortable. The wedding night approached. Gawain, stealing himself for a horrific night, entered the bedroom. Listen, when I tell you men will get it in, and they will get it in, even, like, he already heard the description, but he was he was fitting to go in for the wedding night. Like, that's one thing. Men will really sleep with anything. Because <laughs> it couldn't be me. Okay? It couldn't be me. Mm. Y'all... This is, this is hitting me like, ugh. what a sight awaited him. Oh, the most beautiful woman he had ever seen lay before him. Gawain was astounded and asked what had happened. The beauty replied that since he had been so kind to her when she had been a witch, half the time she would be horrible she would be her horrible, deformed self, and the other half, she would be her beautiful, maiden self. What would he want her to be during the day and which during the night? And yeah, so I think they're going to go into it here, but <clears throat> yeah, let's just read it the way that he says it here. And again, Caroline Casey does it like a really great job of storytelling this, but I'm enjoying it, even reading it here. So it says, what a cruel question. Gawain began to think of his dilemma. Did he want a beautiful woman during the day to show off to his friends, but at night in the private privacy of his home, an old spooky witch? Or would he prefer having by day a hideous witch, but by night a beautiful woman to enjoy many intimate moments? Noble Gawain replied that he would let her choose for herself. Upon hearing this, she announced that she would be the most beautiful of all time, 
because and all the time because he had respected her and let her ch- uh, be in charge of her life. The end. <laughs> so let me know what you think in the comments. I like it. I tend to agree with it. Just the only teeny tiny little glitch I would say is in there is the idea of her presenting herself in the worst manner. But I think for the things I've been through in life, I could kind of understand it. It might be my approach moving forward. It's just one of those things that's kind of, kind of like, can you love me at my worst? Can you know? And I understand there can be pushback, but you know what? Let's play. Let's have fun. There's a reason that these stories are here for us to explore what all of these things mean. Heck, you could even, I could probably get myself in trouble with it in terms of a twin flame perspective of loving someone when they're at their worst, right? Um, and what does that mean? And what does that look like? Um, but I think it's it's challenging also the ideas of why you would want to be in a relationship with someone. And, you know, that's kind of the second layer that comes comes out. What do women want? But also, what what do men want? right? This was almost twofold. It's what do women want, but what do men want? Because the question is, do you want a freak in the, a a woman, a lady in the streets and a freak in the sheets, right? There's a lot of those conversations going on right now in 2022. I love this story so much. I'm going to marinate on it some more. I love that I listened to it from Carolyn Casey, but I love reading this. And um, just, yeah, even what I'm picking up right now, it's what do women want, but what do men want? And what if the compromise, another thing that I, I, I thought about last night when I, after I heard the story was, you know, and again, some of this is just thought provo- provocative. I would hope that we can take away high vibration take a high vibrational approach to it, right? Um, But I understand what I'm about to say could trigger TF out of some people. Um, But just run with me, right? Just walk with me. Just walk alongside with me and hear hear me out. But um, it's the idea that, you know, if there's a saying, if you have to ask someone for power and authority, you don't have it. And so then now you start to look at, well, at the end of the day, he had the power and the authority um, and he, she was asking for it and he gave it to her type of a thing. If you kind of get the, the play on where I'm coming from with things, but at the end of the day, they both win. Right. And so it's this whole idea about who is submitting and who is in control and what is compromised. And, you know, it's, it's, <clears throat> A little bit funny too when you talk about you have some men that are putting the standards that are biblical standards but they're not um they're wanting the woman to keep the biblical standards but not keep up their end of the biblical standards in certain terms of what submission and authority means and if you drill down a little bit more down the verses you're going to see that it's twofold you're going to see that the man submits to the woman and the woman submits to the man. It's actually a two-way street. But um, that's what I mean when I say we talk about keeping it high vibrational, right? And so here you are, you're seeing it in biblical literature, you're seeing it in storytelling. Um, this one, I think is like an English story. It's a, 
Did I see it at the top? Um, yeah, a poem or study or story for the English learner. Having to do with um, King Arthur and noble Gwen and the whole idea too. I, you know, one of the things I also love as I'm reading through this. Um, I love, I absolutely, you know, we've been talking a little bit earlier in the year about what it means for the woman to have her castle and the drawbridge only comes down for the, um, for this criteria of a, of a man, right? Um, if it's, if it's anything less, if he's not a knight in shining armor, if it's a crusty, dusty armor, send him back. If he's, um, you know, coming any other way, shape, or form outside of a knight in shining armor on a horse, right? If he comes walking in out of the woods to your to your castle, it's like, nah, it's, mm, something's not adding up there, right? And so I just love the idea that when he talks about um, Gawain, it says that... <clears throat> um. Y'all, I, I saw it just a second ago. Oh, here we go. He was the most noble. Okay. The most noble of the knights of the round table. And if I'm not mistaken, there, um, let me, y'all, you know, let's, let's just have some fun with it. How many knights are at the round table? Because I think there might be some symbolism there. Mm-mm-mm. Can you hear me typing? <laughs> um, whoa! Okay, so 150 nights. So the witch had taste. Like, I'm going to give her that, okay? Y'all. And, and so what? Whoa. That's crazy. I'm not going to recommend y'all go on 150 dates. But she was, at the end of the day, she was choosing from the cream of the crop. Right? When you talk about even the um, manifestation, right? There's going to be people telling you, oh, you're nothing but an old witch. You're nothing but an old hag. You know? But she still went for the most noble out of 150 nights, it says Camelot was a mythical castled city said to be located in Great Britain. There's a lot going on in Great Britain right now. Where King Arthur held court. It was the center of the kingdom of Logris. And the Arthurian legend would become the location of the round table that held 150 nights. Oh, oh, but wait a minute. Hold on. There's a little bit more. Um... And then it says, who are the eight knights? Oh, there are eight knights of the round table. So there's Sir Lancelot, um, Gawain, Sir Gawain, Sir Geraint, Sir Percival, Sir Bors the Younger, Sir Lamorak, Sir Kay, Sir Gareth, and I'm not, I guess, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Yeah, those are the eight. Um, now, the most skilled was um Lancelot. It says Lancelot would definitely be considered the greatest knight followed by Gawain 
in terms of prowess. And so, but this is interesting too, because as we're making distinctions within the distinctions, right? She's going for a high caliber man, a man of high value. But I can tell you right off the bat too, it would make sense that she wouldn't go for the person of most skill. This is almost the difference between a high value man um, and a high earner. Okay. To me, right off the rip, what I'm understanding is Lancelot would be considered a high earner. He's the most skilled. He has the most prowess. Okay. But she didn't choose the person with the most skill. She chose the most noble knight. And it explains that, um, yes, Gawain was skilled, but what set him apart? Let me, let me go back here. Let me go back here is that he was, um, let me see here. Um, yeah, Gawain was proper as always. To me, that tells me gentleman, right? Was proper as always, gentle and courteous, right? So he has the skill, he has the prowess, but the added factor, what made him a high value knight, right? H, V, K, were those, those mannerisms, right? I just love that so much. Um, we do have a little bit of time. Maybe let's see what else I can find out while I'm here. Hmm. It says the knight of the round table were not molded on historical figures, but are, are likely composite figures drawn from several sources. The knight's story, um, heroism, hero, heroism, and chivalry are probably based on ancient folk tales from the early medieval period. Let's see what we can find out about Sir Gawain. And I'm pretty sure we're going to run out of time here. Uh, Gawain. Wow. So it says here, this is from, what is this site from? Oh, Wikipedia. Love hate with Wikipedia, but we'll go with it, right? So it says his character traits. Gawain is a pinnacle of humility, piety, integrity, loyalty, and honesty, right? Because right now I'm trying to drill down on what is it that she manifested? What is it that she went to? What was it that she was drawn to him about? What was it that made him the most noble, okay? His only flaw proves to be that he loves his own life so much that he will lie in order to protect himself. <laughs> Gawain leaves the Green Chapel penitent and changed. What does penitent mean? I need to put that one in my... Penitent. It sounds biblical. Oh! Um, penitent means feeling or showing sorrow or regret for having done wrong and repentant. So he's, he's kind of like a moral code, right? Higher consciousness, definitely mission-based, right? When you think about, um, 
making a difference in the world and what you would look for in a masculine. He's people, he's that type of guy that's holding people accountable and keeping the standard and keeping the bar high. So it says, Gawain leaves the green. Ooh, let me make sure to click on here because y'all, I'll keep talking and run out of 30 minutes. He leaves the green chapel penitent and changed. Mm. Let me see. So it says the theme Sir Gawain and the Green Knight themes. Green, you guys, um, when I was listening to, um, and I'm going to say it here too, um, green um, or emerald green is tied to Venus um, in the, hold on, in the, re, in the getting, in the getting model, because there's the Babylonian mythological um, model and then getting is the other model and in the getting model Venus is emerald green but with that being said it's tied to the heart space right Sir Gawain and the green knight themes so the themes are chivalry um, natural and the supernatural legend fame and reputation games rules and order and the last one Y'all know I'm not a fan, but Christianity. Let me just click on this real quick and see if there's a little bit more. Oh, yeah, there is more. This is really nice. I really enjoyed this. But um, if you go to litcharts.com, it goes more into those things. You know, games, rules, and order. No, I don't want to sign up. Mm. Chiv- chiv- chivalry code legend fame and and reputation talks about heroes he suddenly transforms himself in the eyes of the court natural and supernatural it says here his hue is so extreme it says when the strangely green being enters the hall his hue is so extreme and is so thoroughly described with so many decorations and layers that he seems to be of a different breed than the men of the court ooh read into that for everything that it means made of nature like a tree or of the seasons themselves to me that's kind of like all the zodiac signs to me this is saying pisces um, he is every man. You know how, um, and I, we'll talk about this because tomorrow is, um, we're going into March and March is the month of the woman. And that's perfect because I'm going to be starting to pull from divine goddesses. And um, I love when Whitney talks about I'm every woman. I want to cultivate that idea a little bit more with my divine feminines. But this is, he is every man, right? Many decorations and layers that he seems to be of a different breed than the men of the court, right? Made of nature, like the sea. And so part of the reason I say that is because um, you start to understand all the different seasons um, and all the zodiacs, you have to cultivate those. And I will be talking more about that and my understanding that I got over the weekend and the time that I was away. But this is, this is everything. Don't worry, we'll unpack this. It says, yet his being is also beyond nature. It is supernatural. He can pick up a severed head after it has been chopped off and still speak through that. Um, Let me see if I can click on it here because it goes on into more. Ooh, I know I only have three minutes. 
And he can pick, um, still speak through that disembodied head to deliver instructions for the next part of the game. And that has to do with communication. I hope that you're picking up, you know, what lies below the surface and what that means in the 3D world, right? Um, this thing keeps popping up here. The supernatural properties of green things continue throughout Gawain's trial. And that would make sense, like the green girdle. Because remember, green has to do with chakra. I can double check from my deck and we'll pull and see what the color green has to do with chakra that one is for. Let me look it up real quick. Let me, so green chakra. I was going off of the story. Yep, heart chakra. I love it. Right. This is this is uh, for him to be a knight and to be the most noble and to still have the prowess. He's doing things out of his heart space. Right. But the supernatural world does not supersede the natural world. In fact, it seems to be allied with the natural world to make that natural world more powerful. So he understands, you know, the difference between the 3D, the 4D, the 5D alchemy transmutation, high frequency, manifesting, chemistry, all of those things. Oh man, I'm so going to enjoy this. I'll, I'll probably sit back and read this the rest of the tonight. But um, I hope you enjoyed it, right? I'm going to try to remember to leave the comment section open so you can put your comments down below. But um, this is a healthy space for us to be in, I think to think about moving forward um, and what that means for the divine feminine and for the divine masculine and for union, right? And again, I just love that the playful component of it, right? All right. So until the next podcast, stay blessed, stay 5D and um, have a powerful, upbeat week. (laughs)